right. Hey, I want to start out with something real easy this morning. It's a question. It's a question you ask yourself, and you can't get it wrong because it's about you. Um, I want you to think, just for a second, of one word that would describe you. In fact, let me take a step further. Think of a word, one word, that would describe how you feel. Everybody got it? All right, tell the person next to you your word. I didn't say sentence, I said word. It's a word, people, it's a word. Now, now tell, turn and tell your second choice the word, just to tell the person that you didn't like as much the word, just the word, yeah. Now, I'm not gonna ask people for your word because, I mean, first of all, this is second chance, so you never know what you're gonna get, but this is what I'm gonna, this is what I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna bet you that hardly anyone, maybe, maybe somebody, I don't know, but I'll bet you the overwhelming majority of the people in this room did not use the word peace to describe how you feel. And if you did, you, um, you're, probably, you're probably high, but, 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 and that's fine. I'm glad you're at church. We're going to work on that, okay? But, but most people probably didn't use the word, word peace. Now, we've, we've experienced peace. We have we have times in our life where we have some peace. I've been told, like, um, any, does anybody hunt in the room? Any hunters? Raise your hand. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm a little fun. I'm going to make a little fun of you. Because, listen, first of all, I forgot to say this in the last service. If you hunt with a deer camera, you're not legit. That's wrong. That's cheating. Give the deer a chance. In fact, you want to impress me? Put your gun aside. Hop out of the tree. Chase it down with a knife. That's a hunter right there with a loincloth on, okay? That, that's a hunter. But I've been told, I've been told, I, I don't know, but I've been told that it's peaceful to be in a tree stand and in the morning and the sun's coming up and you're there with your gun, gonna shoot Bambi, and um, it's peaceful. And I almost went, I got had me convinced one time I was gonna go with him hunting. I had my camo and everything, had my gun, and he had this bottle of stuff. And I said, what is that? And he said, we're going to spray this on us before we go in the woods. And I said, what is it? He said, it's deer urine. I said, I beg your pardon? I'm, I'm not spraying deer urine on me. I might be dripping, but I'm not dripping in deer urine, okay? That's, that's out. So, so, I, so for those of you that, that find peace in a tree stand, I, you keep finding peace there, and you can have it all to yourself, all right? Other people, maybe you find peace... Um, in a bathtub, bubble bath, music, a beverage that Jesus made um, in John 2. Like, I, I don't know where you find peace. I, I, I find peace um, in a walk on the beach. But this is what I know. At best, those situations are temporary. In, in fact, we would, if you really wanted to dig into it, you could describe those situations as relaxing more than peaceful. Because you can be in a tree stand or a bathtub or a walk on the beach and still be relaxed but not have peace. Now, I thought it was fair for me to define peace before we dive into it today. And the definition of peace is, peace is a state of mind that allows us to stand firm in any situation. No matter what's going on in the world, peace is a state of mind. So is worry, so is anxiety. But peace is a state of mind that allows us to stand firm in any situation. Now, let me 
give a confession before I move into the message today. I'm not at peace with this message, and this is why. I like to teach with, with using stories in the Bible. Like I like to take David and Goliath and go through the story and pull out things that you don't normally see and, and just, I love kind of telling the story. Like when we went through the book of Esther, I love going through the book of Esther. That's a story. So several weeks ago, because I plan ahead, several weeks ago, God gave me the verse that you have on your card, Isaiah 26, 3. God gave me that verse and said, and I wrote it down and I said, oh my, that, that's a good verse for the, for the message. Like he needed my affirmation. But I said, that's a good for, verse for the message. And God spoke to me and he said, no, that's, that's the message. And I said, well, God, that's a, that's like a verse, and um, I'm not really like a verse guy. I'm a story guy. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of better at stories, and he went, you're not that good. Um, <laughs> he, he, said, he, said, he said, you're better when you do what I tell you to do, and I said, well, now that you pulled the God card, I guess we got to go with it. So, so today, we're going to go through a verse, but we're going to go through this verse word by word, Phrase by phrase. We're literally going to look at this verse because the verse that you have on the card is a promise from God. And, and, and it's not just a promise for some random people out there. It's for everyone in this room, all our friends watching online right now. It, it's, it's a promise. So we're going to go through it word by word. Y'all good with that? Yeah. All right. Three people were good with it. <clears throat> You will keep in perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace. You will keep in what kind of peace? One, two, three. Perfect peace. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Y'all ready to go through it? Yes? Here we go. You. Word by word. Let's say that you're a Clemson fan, as all people that love Jesus are. All you got to do is look at the sunset, orange and purple, orange and purple, orange and purple. So, so let's say you're a Clemson fan, and, after, and I find out you're a Clemson fan, and after the service, we meet in the lobby, and I say, let me tell you, I just heard you're a Clemson fan, so let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. Next home game, um, I want you to give the pregame speech. And then after you give the pregame speech, I want you to lead the team out of the locker room, get on the bus. We'll actually let you drive the bus around the stadium. You get out. I want you to rub the rock. I want you to get the fans. I want to run down the hill, and I'm going to let you call the first three plays. You would walk away from that conversation going, I think Pastor P moved from alcohol to drugs, and I think he's crazy. But you wouldn't walk away from that conversation thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm getting this incredible opportunity. You would think I'm crazy because you recognize the fact that I'm the pastor of this church, but I'm not the coach of Clemson. I don't have the ability to pull that off. But let's say you left this service and you went to Target and Dabo was in there buying some Gatorade, you know, because I mean, I guess he buys Gatorade. I don't know. And, and you said, oh my gosh, you're Coach Sweeney and I'm a Clemson fan. And he said, you know what? I'm glad I ran into you. The next home game, I'm going to let you give the pregame speech, and I'm going to let you lead the team to the bus, and I'm going to let you rub the rock, I'm going to let you run down the hill, and I'm going to let you call the first three plays of the game. You would walk away from that conversation feeling equipped and empowered. You know why? Because you recognize that he has the ability to do what he promised that he said he would do. Peace begins when you and I recognize who God is. 
Without a recognition of God, we have no foundation for peace. But when we begin to recognize who God is and we begin to recognize what God can do, you and I can experience peace in our life. For example, if you're going through something in your life that makes you feel weak, God is stronger than our weakness. If you're going through something in your life that feels like it's completely over your head, well, things over our head are still under his feet because he's higher than anything that's going to come against us. Anything that's going to come against us, he's, he's greater, he's higher, he's stronger than any weapon the enemy's going to form against us to try to take us down. Peace begins with a recognition of who God is. And God, because of who you are, that's what we can say, God, because of who you are, I can have peace. If that's all I know, that's the only foundation I need to have peace. You. Will, told y'all we're going to go word by word. Some of you are like, dear God, this is going to take forever. It might, I don't know, I'm losing my voice. Y'all might get lucky. Um, you will. I love the fact that he said you will. In my Bible, I got this circled. And now next to it, I have the word promise written. This is a promise from God. Now, for those of you that have relocated to the South from somewhere else, in, in America, maybe you, ne maybe you left communist California um, and, and you relocated here, we're glad to have you, but let me explain to you something about Southerners because you need to learn our language. First of all, you've noticed how nice we are. Um, we ask you how you're doing and we don't even know you. Now, we don't really care how you're doing, we just, we just ask. We see you at Chick-fil-A and we go, how you doing? And you're supposed to answer, how, do you, how are you supposed to answer? Fine, frustrated, insecure, negative, and evasive. That's what that means. So I'm fine. Hey, yeah, I'm fine. But if you ever ask us, this is the Southern, if you ever ask us, hey, you and your family should come over to our house for dinner sometime. Our typical answer sometimes is we'll go, you know what, we might. That means never. <laughs> I'm never coming to your house. But we're too nice to say never. So we say, I might. And and unfortunately, that's the way I felt, maybe some of us have felt about God's promises. We, we, we look at this and God says, I might keep, no, no, he doesn't say, I might. He said, I will. This is a, listen, peace is a promise from God. If you walk away with nothing else today, walk away to that. Peace is a promise from God. He said, you will keep. Now, this is going to be controversial, but stay with me because I'm right. Um, decorating for Christmas. I'm a purist. I believe that you shouldn't decorate for Christmas until the day after Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. There's some people that love the Lord in this room. Now, I kind of, I'm okay with decorating in November because I went to the UK one time in November and everything was decorated for Christmas. And I, I, yeah, I'm stupid American. I'm like, hey, so what about Thanksgiving? Y'all don't celebrate Thanksgiving? And they just all looked at me like, I was like, oh yeah, y'all are still mad about that whole rebellion thing we pulled off. <laughs> And then we whipped you again. So, I mean, anyway, so I, uh, 
I'm okay maybe with some decorations in, in, in November. If, if that's you, you, you do you. But listen, it, I, some of y'all have lost your minds. You, you're decorating before Halloween. Stop it. Second Hesitations, chapter 4, verse 8. It says, thou shalt not decorate thy tree before... Anyway, so I just made that up. It's not a real verse. But the reason I bring that up is because for me, I've got some rules at Christmas. And they, they might not be your rules, but they're my rules. And here's one of my rules. If you give me a present, if you give me a present, don't tell me to wait to open it until Christmas because it ain't going to happen. Because anybody like this? As soon as I get it, it's mine. And I'm going to open it. Anybody with me on this? Both hands. Praise God. All right. So some of y'all aren't like this. And this is why you are boring and have no friends. All right. I, now, I want to confess something. I'm, I'm just, if I get you something and then I see you and I give it to you, you, you got to open it right then. I'm like, open it. Open it. I'll go get you something else. Just, just open that. Just open that. So a few years ago, me and a buddy of mine, we were together and we had a mutual friend that saw us and he said, oh, y'all going to be here for a few minutes? We said, yeah. He said, I've got your Christmas present. I'm going to bring it to you. Now, I had the philosophy that is correct that you open the present immediately. But my friend, he was like, oh, no, me and my family, we take all the presents and we wait until Christmas. He said, so don't tell me what it is. I said, okay, deal. So I got the present, I got home and I opened it up. And you know how, you know how on some Christmases people get you what they like? And you're thinking, when have I ever said I wanted this? But you have to be, you have, oh wow, it's a, it's a present. And it, let, me teach you, let me teach you my word, remarkable. That means it's awful, but you can say remarkable and it's not a lie because it is worthy of a remark. So, so I got home and I opened up my present and it was, it was like this world famous frozen sausage. Now I'm, you've never heard me talk about sausage. I'm not, I don't call up friends and go, Hey, let's go grab a plate of sausage and have a, I mean, it's okay. I'd rather have bacon. Amen. And that's right. So, but. But I guess, I mean, it was like world famous and I, I didn't want to, so I put it in the freezer. But my friend didn't put the frozen sausage in the freezer and he told me not to tell him. <laughs> he took it home, put it under the tree. He said on about the fourth or fifth night, he looked at his wife, they watched the TV and he's like, baby, you got gas. She was like, I'll sit here wondering if you had gas. They said, something in this room has, they had a couple dogs and they blamed it on the dogs. I don't know if you got a dog, but dogs do fart and it is awful. They finally dug through the tree and found the, the it wasn't frozen sausage anymore. It, it was, it was, it was hell in a plate. That's what it smelled like. It smelled like butt is what they said. And he called me. He's like, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, you got that rule? Here's the deal. His, we both got the same present. Mine kept and his didn't. Mine kept because I put it in a place where it could be kept. A lot of times we'll take God's peace, his promise of peace, and we'll put it aside for what the world says will bring us peace. 
A lot of times we'll take what God says we can have and we'll trade it in for what the world says we can have. And the world can't give us anything that can satisfy us on the level of spiritual satisfaction of knowing that our hearts and our lives are right with Jesus Christ. It's, it's, God says, I want to give you peace that will, that will keep. God said, I don't want you to have peace once a week. I, want, I don't want you to have, I want you to be kept in a constant state of peace. Now, I'm going to confess, I'm not there yet, but I'm closer than I've ever been. I will, you will keep in perfect peace. Some of you are like, oh, thank God he did three words. <laughs> If I would have done in, you would have faked a heart attack and got out of the room, all right? In perfect peace. Now, I'll, I like it because he didn't say, I will keep you in a kind of a maybe sort of semi-quasi state of peace. He said, I will keep you in perfect peace. This world has nothing that can promise that. For example, let's go back to football for a minute. You always use football illustration. I know, I just, I just c- c- connect with it, okay? I'm a Clemson fan. Two weeks ago when we played Syracuse, I did not have peace. I did not have peace. We went up seven, nothing. I had peace. And they scored. And then all of a sudden there was no peace. And then it, listen, if you watch a football game with me, you won't have peace either. My dogs leave the room. All right. I'm, I'm watching the screen. I'm pacing. I'm, I'll, I'll start cleaning stuff. That's how you know things have gotten bad when I start cleaning. I, I'm wa- and finally, at the end of the game, I had peace. But during the game, I didn't have peace. See, a football team cannot deliver you peace. <laughs> One of my favorite questions people ask me, it's, it's kind of weird, but kind of not. Pastor P, when you were, like, when you were abusing alcohol, why did you drink so much? And the question confuses me because anybody that's ever abused alcohol knows why you drink a lot of alcohol. It gives you peace. Temporary. Temporary peace. Am I right? It's temporary peace. Because the next morning, when you wake up, The hangover, if you've ever had a real hangover, this is what I know, you've talked to God. (laughs) You have told him, God, if you'll just get me out of this, I will never do it again. Or you've been like, dear God, over there, like that's talking to God, right? But God God said, I will give you perfect peace. I'm not going to give you some temporary peace that you can semi, I'm going to give you perfect peace. Man, that's what I want. He said, I'll, you will keep in perfect peace all. Now, I don't do this a lot, but every once in a while, I'll break down words in Hebrew and Greek. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. Isaiah is written in Hebrew. In Hebrew, this word all, it means all. That was for those of y'all that go, he's not real deep. That's about as deep as it gets. Now, this, this word, it, the reason it stuck out to me is because it, it kind of triggered some trauma in my life. Took me back to my skating rink days. 
Now, I'm, I'm 51. If you're around my age, I don't care where you grew up, the skating rink was a thing. You went to the skating rink, that's where I learned most of the songs that I know that are still stuck in my head. Y'all remember last week? Sweet. Okay, y'all, y'all were singing it all week, I know. So I got songs stuck in my head, and I love the skating rink until the DJ, and I don't know what his problem was, but he had a problem. Every, he, everybody be out there having fun. And he was like, okay, skaters, everybody off, and it's going to be backwards skate only. <laughs> How many of y'all can backwards skate? How many? Okay, okay, I hate you. I could barely frontward skate, you know what I'm saying? I tried to do it one time where you just get out on the thing and you just push yourself backwards and the guy came out of the DJ booth and told me I had to leave. And, um, and, then, and then after backwards skate, that wasn't the roughest. The roughest was, okay, boys and girls, it's time for couple skate. <laughs> Let me tell y'all something about me in middle school. Um, I had a great personality. <laughs> no girl were trying to skate with me. I'd be like, you want to skate? Nope. Okay. Well, I'm just asking. I just wanted to know. But then he would call all skate and everybody would get to skate. That, that's what I think of when I see this word all. Jesus tells us in this verse, peace is an all skate. Peace is available to all. Peace is available to everyone in this room. It's, a, it's an allscape. It's not available to the good Christians or to the good people. Peace is available to all people. All of us have the promise of peace in Christ. It's an allscape. He said, I will keep, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. That's four words for those of y'all that counting. Four words, all who trust in you. Now, I'm going to confess that there are areas of my life that I have a hard time trusting God in. And somebody said this years ago, and I wrote it down in a book, and I've never forgotten it. He said this. He said, The area of my life where I am worried the most is also the area of my life where I trust God the least. Mic drop. Boom. So if you're you're worried the most about your kids, it's a a trust issue. Relationships. Let me tell you the biggest area of my life that I wrestled with this. One of the first things that God taught me was was money. You know how I feel tense it gets when the, when the pastor talks about money? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Now, I want you to understand something. I grew up poor. Poor. And when I say poor, that poor for me was not I couldn't get the latest version of the newest iPhone. Poor was when they repossess your furniture, because you couldn't make the weekly payments, that's poor. When you and your dad hop from trailer park to trailer park because you can't pay the weekly rent, that's poor. When you have to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken to lick other people's fingers, that's poor. (laughs) 
you think about it, it's a little weird, but it's okay. Just so I was poor. We were poor. So when I when I came to Christ in 1990, I I didn't have anything. And then I remember I've been a Christian for about two or three two or three weeks, and I sat in church, and the preacher preached on something called tithing, and it was like giving 10 percent. I was like, I don't I don't think I like this too much. I don't like that tithing. I'm just going. And isn't it funny how when God is working on you, it doesn't matter where you go, he won't let it go. But I fought him for nine years. Nine years I fought him. And finally in 1999, I said, God, I give you everything. And he said to me, you got $50,000 worth of debt. Well, I mean, like, like why did, if you did, so I was just like, I give you, I give you everything. That's when I surrendered my, fi- and, and the way I surrendered my finances to God is from that day, God's gotten the first 10% of everything that comes into my life. Now, I want you to listen to me. I'm not a millionaire, despite what the internet says. I'm not even close. But since I put God first, in my finances. I have never lacked for anything. He has been faithful. He has always taken care of me, and he will do the same for you. No matter if it's your finances, your friends, your future. Your, I, I don't know what area of your life you worry the most in, but the area of life where you worry the most is the area where we trust God the least. And this is an invitation. This isn't a rebuke. This is an invitation where God's saying, hey, I know you struggle with that. Trust me. Trust me. All right, let's keep going. I'm having fun. All whose thoughts. Isn't it funny how your thought life works? Do me a favor. Don't think about a pink elephant. Don't. Don't think about a pink elephant. Don't think See it, y'all did it. You did, some of y'all are like, I'm not going to think about a pink, dang it, I got gotcha. you. Isn't it funny you can't control what thoughts pop in your mind? It, which, by the way, here's a theological point. This, this, is, this is absolutely for free. A bad thought is not a sin because the enemy can put a thought in your mind anytime. It's what you do with that bad thought, okay? Because when it comes to our thought life, we are ridiculously in charge. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. I got a confession. Y'all remember when COVID first hit? Y'all remember that? It was crazy, wasn't it? Because it snuck up on us. Because at first we all had, most of us had the same opinion. It's it's fine. We had bird flu, swine flu, H1N1. This is is COVID, it's going to be all right. And then they shut down the NCAA tournament. And then they shut down the NBA. And then they were shutting, I mean, everything was, I was like, dear God, I knew it was, when, then, then they shut down the Waffle House. And I'm like, the world has ended. This is, <laughs> hey, listen, two rules. If they shut down the Waffle House or if Jim Cantori shows up, you're screwed. That's, you just know it's bad. And so I, I had nothing to do, just like many of us. So I sat at home and I watched the news. Worst thing ever. Didn't matter what news network you watched. They were all saying the same thing. You're going to die. Remember how they had that death counter? 
in the bottom right-hand corner, everywhere. You couldn't even watch the weather channel without seeing how many people were dying. And I remember thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to die of COVID. I'm going to die alone of COVID. Nobody's going to know. And I was so freaked out. And you know what? You know what set me free? I stopped watching the news. So, well, you won't be informed. Well, at the end, I don't care. Because what we pay attention to the most will consume our thoughts. And I went in three months from, I'm going to die, to screw it. (laughs) I did. But people, have you ever noticed people that watch the news all the time? You can tell who they are because they walk around paranoid. Somebody told me this week, I'm not going to call her name, don't worry. Somebody told me this week, I mean, you see the thing about the asteroid? Missed the whole thing about the asteroid. It's going to come close to Earth. That's fine. Stick Bruce Willis on a spaceship and he'll fly there and blow it up. Don't want to close my eye. Anyway, it's a great movie. I said, what do you mean an asteroid? They said, it's going to come within 20 million miles of Earth. I'm like, you need a hobby. You need something to do. But by the way, I hope it hits us. I'm ready for heaven, all right? We won't have to go through another election. Praise God. I mean, it, it just, I'm ready. But it's about our thought life. Like, like if we put our thoughts... If we put our thoughts on Jesus, if we put our thoughts on the Word of God, I'm not saying it's going to always automatically bring peace, but I'm telling you, it, it has a greater possibility of peace than Fox, CNN, or MSNBC. Those people are crazy. All of them crazy. All whose thoughts, all whose thoughts, this is where some people go, but Pastor P, you don't, know my, you don't know my past. Well, see, that's the problem. Your thoughts are in your past. The only person that's going to focus you on your past to shame you is Satan. Peace comes not when we focus on our past, but when we look to our future and we realize there's an unlimited potential because of an unlimited God. All whose thoughts are occasionally about you. No. Fixed on you. Fixed. Focused. Intentional. Now, she was in the last service. And she didn't know I was going to do this, but I didn't get in trouble. I got, I got that smile. I, I talked about my wife, Shannon, because people have been at, people asked, how did y'all meet? How did y'all meet? She was a bartender. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We have a mutual friend that wanted us to meet, but we didn't know that. And this is when we were back doing church at the liquor store. And um, the, the mutual friend introduced us. And I had no interest in dating her, didn't even really know her. And, and so the friend said, this is Shannon. And I said, I said, hi, Shannon, I'm Perry. She said, hi, I'm Shannon. And she turned around and ran. I'm not making this up. And, and I didn't think that was weird because I, 
I had a girl in high school that knew I was going to ask her out and she ran from me. I had a girl in college that I knew she was going to ask me out and she ran from me. I saw her 10 years later and thank God that she ran. Um, <laughs> different story, different time. I didn't say that in the first service, but she ran. And so um, I just, I didn't think anything about it. And then my friend, our mutual friend said, no, you need to talk to her. I said, well, you need to tell the girl to slow down. <laughs> she said, no, she's got an incredible testimony, an incredible story, and, and you're a part of it. I said, well, okay. So I didn't see her for like a week or two. So uh, I slid into her DMs on Instagram. <laughs> I said, hey, uh, how's your mom and them? I said, our friend, and I called the friend by name and said, said, you got a story and I should hear it. I said, so I was wondering if it, if it was like, could I get your number? She gave me her number. A month later, not making this up, a month later, we had dinner on a Saturday night. We got, I went and got some to-go food and brought it to my house. She came over. It was a Saturday night, 5.30. We sat at my kitchen table, and at 7.30, you can ask her. At 7.30, I went, you got to go. <laughs> she said, what? I said, you got to leave. She said, why? I said, it's Saturday night. I got to get up and preach in the morning. I get up at 4.05 on Sunday mornings. I got to get up and go for a run. Got to do all my stuff. So you got to, I mean, by the way, amazing story. You got to go. <laughs> she said, all right. And she left. About a week later, we, we hung out again. We weren't dating. We hung out. That's a safe term. It was a great conversation. And this is when I knew I was in trouble. The next morning, I woke up, and the first thing that ran through my mind is, I wonder what Shannon's doing. Oh, God. <laughs> she, was in, she was in my head. So that night, we were hanging out again. We are having a conversation, and I just decided to go for broke. You know what it's like, man? Just, just you know, Some of you, you're sitting with your spouse. You obviously know what it's like to go for broke. And she was saying something, and it was like a little, and I said, you know what? I said, you know what? I don't even know what this is. I don't even know what we're doing. I said, this is crazy. I said, you're being flirtatious. I'm being flirtatious. I said, I don't even know if you're even attracted to me. And she looked at me in the eyes, and she said, I am very attracted to you. And I said, <laughs> I've never heard those words. In college, I got turned down more times than the sheets of the Holiday Inn. I mean, I, I was... So I married her, and um, and we're, but here, here's what here's the, this is the reason I'm talking about it because there was an uh, there was an attraction, but then there's intentionality as well, because how many of you know in a relationship that attraction is not enough? Like some of you, and I'm not going to even ask you to raise your hand. You you went out with hot, and you realized that hot equals crazy. 
you went out with hot and you, you came to the conclusion, you know what? He's hot, she's hot, so's hell. That's... <laughs> so attraction is not enough. It takes intentionality. So for me, I had to find out what makes her feel loved, what makes her feel special, what makes her feel important. She likes to get text messages that, that where I just kind of pour out my heart. So you know what? I still do that till this day. I still do that. I'm going to continually do that because attraction is not enough. It takes attraction and discipline. Now, the reason I bring all that up is when it comes to our relationship with God, obviously there are people, then the reason you're in this room, whether you know it or not, by the way, is you're drawn to God. Like God has done something that has gotten all of our attention. Like we're, we're here for a reason or we're watching this message online for a reason. But one of the reasons that we, we don't have peace in our life is because attraction's not enough. It's great that we're drawn to God. But then what is gonna be our daily ritual to fix our thoughts on him? How, how much more possible would it be for us to have peace if we woke up every morning and the first thing we did wasn't to check Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, but it was to intentionally get out of bed and spend five to 10 minutes focusing on God, whether it's listening to a worship song, whether it's reading some scripture, whether it's taking the card that you have in your seat, reading that verse and say, God, speak to me out of this scripture this morning. I'm telling you, God will always meet you. He will always meet you. When you said you're telling him, I say, hey, I know it's time. I'm, I'm working on it. Dear God, <laughs> set off the alarm at 12 o'clock. <laughs> Getting that special moment right there. try to bring it back. <laughs> Usually that happens at five o'clock. Five o'clock, the wheels come off, but this, this, is, this is special. <laughs> you know, let's take that alarm for a second and work with it. Let's work with it for a second. Let's work with that alarm thing for a second. Let's work with that alarm. Because you know what? You know what that could be? You know what that could be? That could, that could have been just an alarm going off in the service, but that could have been an alarm going off for somebody in this room saying he's talking to you. Peace is a promise for all of us that will intentionally trust in God and fix our thoughts on him. It's a promise. Why? Well, because when we do this, we begin to realize things like God is a way maker. And there are people in this room that you could testify that God 
is a way maker because there was a time period in your life as you look back over your life that you needed God to make a way and God made a way and you're here today because he made a way. You shouldn't be here. You should be in the hospital. You should be in a rehab clinic. You should be dead, but you're here today because God showed up and he made a way when it seemed like there was no way. Somebody's here that's got that testimony. Somebody's here that has that, that, that you can stand and say, yes, God is a, Waymaker, and he's a miracle worker. God still does miracles. When we read the scriptures, he opened the eyes of the blind. He healed the lame. He healed the deaf. And Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And if he did it then, he can do it again. God still does miracles. If you're looking at a situation that seems impossible, impossible is nothing but a setup for a miracle. God is a promise keeper. I know for a fact God is a promise keeper. He said he would build his church. And I know what he's done for our church. When we were in the liquor store and didn't have enough room, he provided this space. He's continuing to provide for us in this building. He said, I'll build my church and he's done it. He said, I will always be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. There are people in this room today. You feel forgotten by God. Isn't it ironic that you're in a church, you feel forgotten by God, listening to a pastor that doesn't know your situation, telling you that you're not forgotten by God. You know why you're hearing that? Because God is a promise keeper and God is a light in the darkness. I don't care how dark this world gets. I don't care how crazy everything seems. I don't care how this world seems to fall apart. We have a God that is light in the darkness and light always shatters darkness. Can I get an amen on that? Light always shatters darkness. God will always win. God will always reign. He's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. He's a miracle worker. He's a light in the darkness. Father, we just want to claim that right now, God, that you are a way maker. God, you are a miracle worker. You're a promise keeper. You're a light in the darkness. Father, for those of us in this room that wrestle with anxiety and worry and depression, God, may we walk out of this place knowing that peace is a promise. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to go back to that alarm for a second. That alarm that went off. I can't get it out of my head. It wasn't a setup. I didn't know what was going to happen. But for some people, that was your alarm that it's time to give your life to Christ. You need to give your life to Jesus. God's setting the alarm off in your heart and in your mind right now. Listen, peace begins with the presence of God, but like without Jesus, peace isn't even possible. Not this kind of peace. So if that's you and you know you need to accept Christ, I want to invite you to pray right where you stand right now. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer in a second. I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud. But you're not going to have to pray it by yourself because our church family is going to pray this prayer with you. And church family, I want us to pray this for the benefit of those that are praying it for the first time. So if you, you're here, that alarm was for you. You know you need Christ. 
I want you right now, right where you stand, to pray this prayer out loud. Let's pray it with them, church family. Say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I surrender everything to you. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come in your life, I want you to do me a favor and put your hand straight up in the air and do it right now. Don't even look around and see if anybody else is doing it. You do it. People have given their lives to Christ all morning. You just put it up and leave it up high. Amen. Amen, sir. Amen. 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 Father, I want to thank you for these hands in the air. I want to thank you that, God, you set an alarm off in us and people gave their lives to you. God, I want to thank you today for the promise of peace. I want to thank you today for, for that person that walked in this place or logged on to this service that's been weighed down with worry and anxiety and fear and doubt. God, I want to thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. I want to thank you that you said that in this world that we would have trouble, but we can take heart because you have overcome the world. And Jesus, if you live in us, we have overcome the world as well. So as we walk out of this place, may we walk out of here in victory, declaring Jesus that you are Lord, knowing God that you are in control and thanking you for the immeasurably more future that we all have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said amen. And are you glad you came to church today? Hey, I can't wait to see y'all back here next Sunday. Y'all have a great week.